0: Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick and I'm the owner and head coach at Straight Shot Training. It's part two of our question and answer episode. We start off with Will's second question that I teased last episode and it's all about breathing during exercise. We also have questions about whether to do cardio or strength training first and how to deal with loose skin after losing weight. Let's get back into it. What is proper breathing during lifting, cardio, stretching, et cetera? So awesome question. Well, it's actually something I've been working on more recently because it's not always something we think about when we're lifting. Uh, we know we shouldn't hold our breaths uh, when we're lifting. That's something that's always told to us. Or uh, breathe in on the way down, breathe out on the way up. That's kind of like a basic way to make sure people don't pass out when they lift or that the blood pressure doesn't rise. But, but breathing is... is Coming more to the forefront of strength and conditioning because we realize just how important the the diaphragm and the pelvic floor and this whole vacuum of air that can be used for stability around the spine, just how important that is during lifting, and if you notice the best athletes in the world are the ones who typically breathe the best with the best mechanics when they're under stress. So let's go through each of these here and talk about lifting. Typically, yes, breathing in on the way down and out on the way up on a lift is the best way to do it so uh, inhaling as you lower yourself into a push-up exhaling as you push up into that push-up but when it comes to lifting heavier weights if you are inhaling the entire way down on a heavy squat so you're breathing in my stomach is expanding well it's, it's moving there's movement where I don't want movement I want stability in every inch of my core during a squat so how do you do this well, you brace your abs, you squeeze your butt, but you can in- create an internal chamber of stability by using the vacuum that your body naturally has with your pelvic floor being the bottom of this vacuum and your diaphragm being the top of this vacuum. So the way the vacuum works is you take a big deep breath in, fill it up, and then you hold it as you squat. So my abs are braced. I breathed into my belly, I didn't breathe into my chest, down into my diaphragm. So diaphragm, think about under your ribs, pelvic floor being the floor of your pelvis. You breathe into that vacuum and you sit into your squat. You go all the way down. When you start coming up out of your squat, so you still hold your breath. It's not forever. You get your breath right before you sit down. You hold it all the way down. The second you can let start letting some of the air come up, which is typically like once you get past your the level of your knees coming out of your squat, that's when you start letting some air out. Let it out of the top of the vacuum, please, not the bottom of the vacuum. So you are going to exhale, but you exhale through a partially closed mouth or through your teeth, like a hiss, or through your mouth, like a f- sound. Your mouth is still closed, but you're exhaling kind of forcefully through that. And what you're doing is you're just letting, like a like a tea kettle, letting the steam out of the top, you're just letting some of the air come out so that you're not overloading that vacuum. What happens if you overload the vacuum is... One of the ends is going to blow out. Well, guess which end is stronger? The diaphragm is. What's the bottom end? Your pelvic floor. And I'm not going to get too gross or graphic into this, but this is why people uh, lose their bowels when they're lifting. This is why people uh, urinate when they're lifting. And this is why people get hemorrhoids from lifting. So breathing is super important for the integrity of that pelvic floor. And the timing of that exhale on your the, the maneuver of holding your breath, called a valsalva maneuver, Holding your breath during lifting, and then letting that top end come out as you come up. The Salva maneuver was always thought, oh, it's super dangerous. Never do it. People pass out. Uh, the their blood pressure will skyrocket, and they'll poop themselves and die. Well, that's not true. It's, it's essential if you're going to lift heavy. And I like teaching athletes how to do it because it's it's just mind blowing whenever they do it correctly. And like, holy cow, I can squat so much more now. Yeah, because you basically just made like this this meat corset for using your diaphragm would use all of this muscle now that you didn't have access to before you didn't know how to do it so that's one way to to use breathing correctly during lifting the other way is learning how to not shoulder and chest breathe especially when you're doing things overhead so we'll think about kettlebell class like the amount of time that we spend with our arms overhead with the kettlebells if you're breathing into your chest or you're breathing like using the muscles at the top uh, in your neck that raise your rib cage. your uh, scalenes, sternocleomastoid, your traps, all those muscles that connect around the neck that pull your shoulders up to get a big deep breath when you're out of breath. Well, those have to be turned on when your arms are overhead. So those muscles are contracted. Well, if you try to breathe using those muscles, it's not going to work out very well for you. You're not going to be able to do it or you're going to pull a muscle that way. And if you're trying to keep breathing into your chest and your your chest is loaded with weight, with weight being overhead... It's really hard to breathe that way. You have to learn how to breathe into your diaphragm and do more of this. I hate saying belly breathing because then people just like stick out their stomachs. That's that's not how it works. So you, learning to breathe into your diaphragm. Think about that vacuum being inside underneath your rib cage, going down towards your pelvis, and filling that vacuum up. Just take a big deep breath. So you all can keep doing diaphragmatic breathing uh, while you're listening to this. But a good way to practice it is lay down on the ground. Put your hands on your belly and see if you can feel yourself breathe into your hand a little bit. And don't push your stomach up. Just feel it fill up and it collapse. Then see if you can brace your abs like you're doing a plank and then try to breathe into that brace. If you can breathe into that brace and you can learn how to do that really well, just practicing on the floor, which I do in my warm-ups, um, you're going to get really good at lifting. You're going to get really strong. So that's breathing during lifting is trying to do more diaphragmatic breathing, um, when you start getting out of breath, you just need to breathe when, when you need to. Like during a circuit, you're not always going to be able to do in on the way in, out on the way out. Uh, but that should be the general rule. And when you're lifting heavy, use that bracing maneuver that I talked about before, especially for squats and deadlifts. All right, so breathing during cardio. Uh, breathe as much as you can as often as you can. That's not, that's not true. Um, with cardio, though, you'd have to breathe more, a lot more than you do when you're lifting. I like to find a rhythm when I'm running. And this maybe comes from you know, 20 years of drumming now, and uh, I like to breathe on um, a, a three-count rhythm or a, a three-four or six-eight rhythm. So think of this like a waltz. So uh, if I'm running and my feet are making this sound, in two, three, four, out two, three, four, in two, three, four, out two, three, four. So the rhythm my feet make that count, and every time you hear that slap, that is the t- whenever I'm breathing in or breathing out. And this works with your feet because it was right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. So it's in when my right foot hits, then left foot hits, then right foot hits, and then in when my left foot hits the other time. It's probably way too confusing for you all, but it makes total sense to me as a drummer because my feet and my hands are usually doing like four different things. Um, But it helps me to get on the rhythm doing that. So you can find a rhythm that works for you uh swimming is is so different because that's one of the reasons I don't like swimming I mean you do you do get on a rhythm with it, but you don't get to breathe whenever you want to you breathe whenever you your head comes up for air uh, but breathing you end up getting on a rhythm when you're swimming, which is why people who can't run very well because they get too out of breath can still swim really well because they've just learned how to breathe for that sport uh so for cardio trying to breathe. Uh, deeply into that diaphragm and not breathing to your chest. Don't arch your back and try to get those big chest breaths as you're running. Uh, and then I try to breathe through my nose whenever I can, when I'm running, it can help you take that big, deep breath better into your diaphragm. So you're not just sucking air in you're filling air into your stomach, which can also happen when you're running. And uh, it's why some people get like bloated or feeling gassy when they run, you're swallowing air, you're bre- you're almost like you're breathing too much, you're taking too big of breaths. Um, I try to breathe through my nose when I can. Actually, that's something I have the straight shot athletes do is, is do some active recovery workouts where they just work on their breathing, work on breathing through the nose during workouts, work on getting on a rhythm, work on trying to breathe slowly. And a good way to monitor this is looking at your heart rate. And when you start breathing faster, your heart rate typically goes up. If you can breathe slower, you actually watch your heart rate go down. So try to find a rhythm. Will when it comes to your cardio... And everybody else listening, to try to find a rhythm that works for you when it comes to cardio, because cardio is rhythmic. Uh, whether it's cycling or elliptical or stair stepper or running, it's got some type of rhythm. So figure out a way for you to get a consistent breathing pattern that matches the rhythm that you're that you're on. Uh, if you're sprinting super fast, um, don't still do the every other foot hitting rhythm. You're going to have to find a different rhythm that works. Um, so. It's going to take some practice but you'll tell when you're doing it correctly when you're able to keep your heart rate kind of steady depending on how fast you're going and if you speed up and your heart rate goes up that's fine but if you're running at a steady pace we want to try to keep your heart rate at a steady pace and that only can happen if you are breathing at a steady pace the last thing we have here is stretching well, when it comes to stretching uh, this is similar to the uh, the lifting whereas you want to try to to relax the things that need to be relaxed uh, and tense the things that need to be tensed. So when you're stretching or doing mobility things or doing yoga, something like that, that, you you don't always want total laxity. You don't want just to be like yanking bones into position. Uh, You want to be able to, to create some tension in each position. So let's say you're just doing your classic, like laying on your back, pulling your leg up hamstring stretch. You should be able to activate your hip flexors in that position and squeeze your quads tight so your legs are straight as you're holding your leg up. Well, this is going to require some breathing to what's called down-regulate the central nervous system, especially if you're stretching after working out. Your central nervous system is kind of jacked up from your workout, and you need to bring that all back down, and breathing is the way to do that. You activate your parasympathetic nervous system and brings everything back down to this uh, um, closure feeling after your workouts. So, uh, these, this typically nice, big, deep breaths through your nose and out through your mouth is a good way. Uh, it's typically like yoga breathing. It's a good way of of down regulating yourself after exercise. I would suggest taking a yoga class. Uh, Lori at the Y teaches one. I train Lori, uh, and Lori always talks to me about breathing in our sessions and stuff like that. Um, Lori loves, she's an instructor at the Y. Uh, and, and all of the instructors are awesome. I just know Lori personally, and she talks a lot about breathing, and breathing is a big part of her class. But if you take her class, she'll teach you how to breathe into stretches to help you uh, gain more flexibility by uh, creating some core tension and then relaxation everywhere else as you breathe deeply in these classes. So um, that's something that that definitely is something to look into that would help you gain more flexibility is just getting your breathing uh, in harmony with, with whatever you're doing when it comes to mo- mobility or stretching. When it comes to foam rolling... Everybody holds their breath because it hurts so bad. You have got to breathe. And I tell people all the time, I'm yelling, breathe, relax, which doesn't really help when I'm yelling relax at them. But you have to breathe when you're foam rolling. lacrosse ball stuff, uh, foam rolling, uh, the band stretching stuff that isn't always super comfortable, you have to breathe into those stretches so your body can actually get a chance to just chill out and relax. Our next question is from Megan. Megan asks, why should we do strength training before cardio and not the other way around? So I mentioned this in one of my kettlebell classes the other day because it's popular for people to hit a spin class before they come to my class, just with the timing of the classes, and they always find out that it's not the best way to do things. The reason why we want to do strength training before cardio is because if you do cardio first, it's going to end up making you tired from a couple different standpoints, and it's going to affect your lifting. So from a breathing mechanics standpoint, from just what we talked about with Will's question, you're going to be out of breath after you do cardio, and that's going to change your breathing pattern when you're lifting, which then throws off your lifts. When it comes to just an energy standpoint, you will have depleted a lot of those energy stores your body needs to produce muscular contractions. So it's going to be harder, especially if you're doing a strength workout with a lot of repetitions, it's going to be harder to maintain good form and keep going with those repetitions and have a high enough strength output if you got rid of all of those uh, calories stored up in the muscles to produce contractions for the cardio you were doing. Because you're still moving your legs and your arms in whatever cardio modality that you choose to do. The other thing that's going to be thrown off is you're just going to be fatigued. You're going to be tired after you do your cardio, which means you're not going to be able to lift as heavy of weights. When you don't lift as heavy of weights, you're not able to make the strength gains that you're there to make when you're doing a strength training class. You don't come to a strength training class just to do the same thing or do a little bit less than you did last time, or at least you shouldn't. That shouldn't be the mentality that you come into a class with. You should come into that class with, how am I going to increase my lifts, or how am I going to increase my range of motion, or how am I going to... Just get better at this lift. Well, all of those things require you to have a higher level of focus and your body operating at a, a fresher state than you have when you're done cardio. A lot of times, when you're done cardio, also you're just mentally drained, depending on how how hard that cardio session was or how much you like cardio. But if you're tired mentally after a 45-minute spin class and you walk in and you're trying to learn a kettlebell split snatch or an overhead squat or something that's a little bit more complex of a move, it's going to be a lot harder to get whenever you're that just mentally drained and physically drained. The other thing that can be thrown off too is if you do a long run before a class, your muscles are going to get tight, uh, especially if you didn't cool down properly. A lot of people go straight from a cardio class right into a strength training class and they kind of feel uh, inhibited or locked up muscularly because of you know whenever you're running your legs are hitting hundreds or even thousands of times in the same pattern as a lunge it's just a shorter range of motion so then when you go into class and you try to get into a deep lunge or a deep squat it just feels like like you're squatting or lunging in a pair of like new genes it's just you're inhibited so when you do your cardio after your strength training though you actually end up burning more calories the way this works is you have used up those energy stores or calorie stores that we talked about earlier that we want to have in place when we have a strength workout you use those up when you do your strength workout and then when you do your cardio you end up having to get more of those calories from somewhere or the sugar store in your muscle or the glycogen from your liver, or the fat stores from your body fat. So if you're trying to lose weight and you want to use cardio as an option for losing weight, because it's not the only way to lose weight, but it is one of the options, doing cardio after your strength training can help you burn fat quicker as a fuel source because you will have already depleted most of those glycogen stores from your muscle and from your liver. So for a weight loss standpoint, it's great to do cardio after your strength training If you want to do cardio, again, cardio is not necessary to lose weight, but it's just another way to burn calories if you don't want to have to cut those calories out of your diet as much. If you have a cardio goal, though, here's where I'm going to flip everything around that I just said. If a cardio goal is what your main focus is, go ahead and do your cardio before your strength training. If you're training for a race and you really need to to put peak uh, uh, training, energy both from a physical and a mental standpoint into that session you may need to do your cardio first I still say if you're training for a race you know do your your strength training before you're running and have maybe a lighter run on those days and your harder runs doing in between days but depending on your training schedule you might not be able to train like that and if you have a race coming up you want to do a triathlon or you're just training for your first uh, half marathon or marathon you might have to do your running first And, again, this is not ideal for strength gains, but if strength gains are not your goal and cardio is your goal, then you you do want to place more of the emphasis on your goal. But still, I would say 9 times out of 10, try to do the strength training before the cardio, but depending on your training schedule and what you really need to focus on, let's say you need to hit sprints or something, you should probably do this before you do your strength training if if you need a lot of speed work for whatever your sport uh, or competition is. So... In most cases, strength training before cardio, some cases, whether it's the only time you can get it in or it's something you really need to focus on, then you can do cardio before strength training. Our final question today comes to us from Jen. Jen asks, I have recently read that if you have extra skin from losing weight, it's better to do more strength training versus cardio. I wanted to know if there's any truth to this. So let's get to uh, the basis behind why there's loose skin after losing weight. You only have so much elasticity to your skin. And this elasticity does better if the weight is lost slower over a longer period of time. It allows the skin time to adjust and to kind of shrink with the rest of, of your body shrinking with those fat cells shrinking. You only have so much elasticity though, you know, it can only adapt so fast. So if you lose a lot of weight quickly, you end up with a with extra loose skin, more so than someone who lost that same amount of weight over a longer period of time. You also lose elasticity to your skin as you age. So if you are getting older, say your 30s, 40s, 50s, each decade, you're losing a little bit of elasticity in that skin, you're going to end up with more loose skin as you age, especially if you lose weight. So it's one of those things that's, that's one of the uh, the tough things about losing a lot of weight is you end up with this loose skin. A lot of times it can be to the point of where you have to have surgery to remove it because it's just so much extra skin that it's not going to... Uh, eventually gain some elasticity and come back in. That's the other thing is is right after you lose it, you might have some loose skin and then it it eventually kind of uh, firms back up uh, to kind of mold around the body a little bit better. But a lot of times there's there's loose skin left over. So a lot of times people think, well, it's fat and I need to lose more weight. So I'm going to do more cardio and diet harder. The problem here is when you continue to do that and, and you put your body in a hypocaloric state or or dieting state for a long period of time, eventually you're going to start eating away muscle tissue. And what this does is now takes away the muscle that's underneath the skin that does help keep it looking firmer. And you end up with skin that looks even looser than it did in the first place. So this is why it's more important to do strength training than cardio if you're trying to deal with the after effects of losing a lot of weight. So if you gain some muscle underneath that skin, it's not going to... It's not going to push the skin out even farther. It's not going to make the skin look looser. It will help things look a little firmer, but it's not going to take away any of that extra skin. Still, the skin's going to still be there, but if you have muscle underneath of it, it's going to create, make that, let's say it's your, your upper arm, like underneath your tricep is a, is a common area. When people lose weight, they have loose skin there. If you build up the muscle in your triceps, that can help that whole area look firmer and can help you actually pull in a little bit of that loose skin, not a ton. Uh, And it's it's not a matter of reducing fat in that area. We're not working the triceps to try to burn tricep fat. That's not how it works. You're trying to create more muscular tissue underneath the skin to help everything appear firmer. So strength training, especially those areas where you have loose skin is important uh, after losing a lot of weight. So let's say it's on your legs, squats, lunges deadlifts, step-ups, anything you can do to build up your hamstrings and your quads and your glutes. Uh, we said triceps before, it's around the midsection, which is a really common area, especially postpartum. Uh, the best thing you can do is, is train your core using uh, weights, so weighted twists weighted uh, core work, but plenty of core stability stuff along with that. Don't neglect stuff like hollow holds and planks and rollouts and things like that. That can kind of help pull some of that stuff in, but obviously it's hard to gain like weight around your trunk, and most people don't want a thick trunk unless you're competing in a strength sport. So that's a that's just a tough area. So this is a question that does not have an easy answer, Jen. It is, there's not a whole lot you can do sometimes with loose skin, depending on the area that it's in. But strength training is definitely going to help it more than cardio. So if you're trying to deal with loose skin after weight loss or postpartum, I would go strength training first uh, and make sure that your diet is one that's going to promote gaining muscle. So let's say you have lost all that weight. You are no longer... uh, needing to be in a hypocaloric state, you don't need to diet anymore, I'd actually start bumping your calories up a little bit, bringing the protein and the carbohydrates up a little bit so that you can try to gain a little bit of muscle. So you might actually see your weight go up a little bit, which I know is scary for some people after you have lost a lot of weight, but hopefully, if you can check your body fat as you do this, you're going to be gaining muscle mass, which is going to help that uh, skin in that area not to, not appear loose because you're going to have muscle underneath. Uh, cardio is only going to burn more uh, tissue, either fat tissue or muscle tissue and if it's mostly skin in that area and it's not fat then uh, cardio is not going to be your friend on this one. Most of the time when it comes to a, a, a physical appearance goal that you have strength training and diet are your best friends. If The only reason I tell people to be doing cardio is just if you're concerned with Uh, your heart health and you think that you you need to be doing some something to lower your blood pressure it can help with that and if you have a cardio goal and if you don't have one of those goals and uh, your blood markers look great blood pressure is great I'll just keep strength training and and using your diet as the mechanism to to help you reach those appearance goals so hopefully that helps and thank you all again for getting those questions into me Thank you so much for listening to Straight Shot Radio today. If you would like to connect with us on social media, you can do so using the handle at StraightShotTraining. All of this July, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary of Straight Shot Training by offering you your first month of training for free. The way our training works is you get an email every Sunday morning with all of your workouts for the week plus detailed instructions. You get six workouts a week, each with mobility, prehab, strength and conditioning workouts, and cooldowns, all with demo videos. You also get our nutritional protocol, access to a private Facebook group, plus a weekly live chat with me to help you make the most of your training. Again, your first month is free to celebrate our first year of offering our unique brand of functional fitness training. Just head over to straightshottraining.com and click subscribe to join our crew of amazing ladies and guys of all fitness levels currently training with us. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week, everybody.